All right, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. We are going to be in one verse today. That's verse 5. But before we do, please pray this prayer with me, uh, and then we'll and then we'll get into it. We'll read the text, and uh, you guys can memorize it by the time I'm done reading it. So um, pray this prayer with me. Our Father, we thank you for this wise picture of Christ's life. Please reveal it to us deeply through your Holy Spirit. Teach us to listen well, learn well, and to live out that knowledge. Renew our sight, refresh our hearts, and grant our desire to seek and follow you. Jesus, help us live our lives for you. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Right? You got that memorized? You got that on lockdown? All right. As way of a reminder, this is a saying that was spoken by Jesus. And as we'll see in the sermon, it's also lived out by Jesus. And it's displayed in very a lot of different parables that he has, this one saying. It was spoken, though, as part of a sermon, that sermon being called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, And I'm working under the assumption that this was a sermon that Jesus gave more than once. Okay, he gave it many different times, and not only that, he maybe took little bits and pieces and taught it in different ways here and there so we can understand what he is trying to tell us. And it contains instruction, and it helps give us direction as we strive to seek Jesus and what he would want for us as we are going to be a part of his kingdom. Right? This, his kingdom is very different than the kingdom that we live in, and we need some help with that. Today, we're going to be looking at this one sentence, and this is a sentence in what's typically called the Beatitudes or the Blessings. Blessed are those. Or some translations say, happy are those. We are blessed if we live the way that Jesus has for us. Amen? That's how we're blessed. For the most part, uh, these are very, very hard sayings. They're not easy. It's not, it's not, um, there's few that are going to follow them is what the scriptures say. But we are blessed if we follow these, but they're also always followed up by a promise from Jesus as well. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, there's the commandment. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. There's the promise. There's the command and the promise. And today is no different. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The ideas laid forth by Jesus in this saying are very difficult to live out in the world we live in. Because the world that we live in goes counter to the ways that Jesus would have us live. And Jesus knows this because it wasn't different in that day either. There's different ways maybe that it worked, but it wasn't different. See, Being poor back then and being poor now is not deemed as blessed by this world, right? We got to get ours. We got to make ours. We got to make sure that we're taking care of everything. Not only that, they didn't like it back then and we don't like mourning now. Because if you're sad for too long, we've got prescriptions for you, all sorts of prescriptions. If you're sad for too long, you just kind of become like a drip that we just don't want to hear anymore. We'd love to turn it off. But blessed are those who mourn because theirs, they, for they shall be comforted. And then when we come to the word meek, the meaning isn't even readily known in our culture. It's not something that's talked about. It's a word that is not very often used or even displayed well in stories. 
right? Because if you think of courageous, you think of the person that goes on an adventure, kicks a little bit of tail from here to there, and then you're like, oh, look how brave they were being. And I believe being meek is extremely brave thing to do, but that's not the way our culture would paint it out. It's, it's often, um, it's not displayed well in our stories. It's not displayed well in our movies. It's not displayed well, even in, I think, our own thoughts. It's not displayed well even in the church, I would say. Because meekness is so hard to understand, uh, given the culture that we live in. Here's a definition straight from the dictionary, but it it says this. It's an adjective, right? So it's quiet, gentle, and easily opposed upon submissive. Some of those words are like swear words in our culture, right? Like easily imposed upon. No, you're not going to impose on me. Like don't do that. Or submissive. It's like how many of us bristle against that word a little bit sometimes? Okay, I guess I'm the only one. So um, I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce the Greek word that was used in Scripture. But its meaning is a bit different. And it will help enrich the conversation as we seek out to, if we long to follow Jesus, then we long to be meek. We long to be meek, okay? And so what does that mean? It means this, not being overly impressed by one sense of self-importance. Not being so impressed with yourself and all the things that you can do. You know what else it means? Gentle. It also means humble. So considering others better than yourselves, doesn't matter if they're better than you or not. It's just considering other people's better than yourselves. Another word is considerate. It's a good word, right? Being considerate of others, being considerate of the situation. And one that I really like is unassuming. You're not going in with your assumptions, making all your own way. You're just unassuming. Another use for the word is it, the same word is found in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. And it says, Jesus says this, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. That's the word. That's the meek word. For I am gentle and lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus says, come to me, learn from me. Learn this from me. Watch me in the way that I live. So when Jesus was riding in on a donkey, it was said that he was humble. But the word, in that, that same word, that meek, that word for meek, that was used in that story as well. So he was below his station. Was he not? He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Right? He, he, and he rides into the city Jerusalem on a lowly donkey. On a lowly donkey. Jesus wants us to learn from him. And one of the things he wants us to learn is his meekness. He never used all his power at his disposal. Isn't that unbelievable? Like not even a a, a part of it. He never flexed on humanity. He was never like, what? Yeah, you got served. That's not how Jesus served. That's not how this man worked. That's not how he lived. And as he's trying to teach us, he's trying to teach us a different way. He never made them bow and worship them. He never set up a worship service and just said, hey guys, I'm here. All right, go. Like he never did that. That wasn't his way. You know what he did? He served. Tirelessly, endlessly, selflessly. 
Jesus was a great example in all he said and did of this idea of meekness. Even when he was rebuking people and casting out demons, he was still meek. I think of like when I think meek and I think gentle, there were a lot of times when Jesus was just going at it, like he was getting after it. But he was meek in the way that he really wanted their hearts to change. He was considering them. Even in his rebuke, he was considering them. His boldness never took away from his meekness. Never took away from it. In fact, it, I believe it enhanced it because he was living it out. I hope that all of us can see why it's so hard to understand this concept. This idea of meekness is a difficult one. It may be, in my opinion, it may be one of the hardest beatitudes to understand. In our, and when I say understand, I'm not just talking about it cognitively in our brain. I'm talking about in our hearts. And, and when I say understand, I mean to the point that we live it out, especially in our culture. Here's the thing about us as our culture. We love self-promotion and there is no one, no way. This is what our culture says. There is no way anyone will ever silence my voice. My voice is important. And to a certain extent it is, right? And if we want something done and we want it done right, then you know what we do? We go and we do it ourselves. We make sure it gets done or we make sure we hire the best and the right people. And then, and then us as a culture, we compete or beat the competition, or at least we better them, right? So why is your product better than the other person's product? In our world, that's a common question. We consume and we are treated like products ourselves. And if we're not careful, you know what we do? We treat others as, uh, we treat others as products as well. We treat people the same way. It means that there's an end to all our relationships. All our relationships become transactional. This is what you can give to me. This is what I'm going to give you. And we have to get things done and we won't let people stand in our way, right? We move them out of the way. We move all our opposition out of the way. We live in a world that makes much of ourselves. Our advertising and messaging in this world asks us to think and think, not only think, but believe that we are the most important person in this world. The rapid rise of social media and how fast it grew is proof of that. Because why? Because you could voice your opinion. I loved it. Like, I love it. I eat it up. I, here's my opinion. Now I look back at it and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Some of those opinions I still have. Uh, now I'll just write them in songs and no one will listen to them. So it's humbler, I guess. Uh, but we live in a, in a world where we are taught to think we are the most important person. It's interesting, though, advertisement, the way that they do it is like, you're the most important person, but here's what's wrong with you, right? Like, that's, it's interesting, but that's what they do. And as a result of this, we are constantly on the move. I think about this word, we are striving without ceasing. What does the scripture say to do without ceasing? Pray. What does pray, prayer take? It takes time. And so what we're supposed to be doing is prayer without ceasing, and yet we're just toiling without ceasing. We live in a world and in a way that waiting, there is no room for waiting on the Lord. There is no room for waiting on him to act on our behalf. It's just not possible. And I would say this, even in our church culture, we're too busy making it happen. We're too busy making it happen because we're not meek as Jesus was meek. 
We take matters into our own hands. And, we, and I would say this in church culture. Sometimes we pretend or assume to pretend that we are doing this for the sake of the Lord. Everything we do is for the sake of the Lord. And yet we're not doing it in faith. We're not doing it because God asked us. We're doing it out of efficiency or speed or ease or maybe effectiveness. Like if we do this, this will happen. X, Y, Z. Sometimes Jesus says this, do this. And you know what happens? Failure. But you know what he says? Trust in me. That's what he says. This is a, another often overlooked piece of meekness is waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is a piece of meekness. And in fact, one of, uh, and I get this from Psalm uh, 37. And if you have your Bible, you can turn there because I believe Psalm 37 in its own right is the very best commentary on this verse that we have. The very best commentary on this we have. This is a beautiful prayer full of instructions in the way of meekness. Verse 11 of Psalm 37 says this. But the meek shall inherit the land. Hold on a second. Isn't that what Jesus said? Right? The meek will inherit what? The earth. The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Right? If it's your land, you can do what you want with it. Or don't you get peace there? Right? Or you try to, except for people come over and uh, ruin your Christmas. Right? Yes. Certain people, uh, they, they, they're invited into your home and too many people in your home. And it goes... And it goes on to say in verse 34, it says, wait for the Lord and keep his ways and he will exalt you to what? Inherit the land. What is he talking about? Meekness. What is this prayer asking us and praying into our lives? Meekness. We'll get back to Psalm 37 in a minute, but I think it's a a good picture. I think it's time for like a good picture of meekness. It's what we need because we don't see it that often. Okay. One great picture of meekness is found in Luke 14, 7 through 11. You can read it on your own time. I'm just going to sum it up. It's when Jesus tells us that when we go to a wedding feast, don't sit yourself at the seat of honor. Don't go sit next to the bride and groom. Instead, seat, seat yourself in the poor section. Seat your, or, or we could say in our modern vernacular, seat yourself in the nosebleeds, right? Where you're away from the thing. Let someone else say that you are higher and you can come sit up here. And then it's not you sitting yourself up there. That's a beautiful picture of meekness. You're there with the kids. You're maybe there helping and serving in the background. Maybe that's who you are. You're doing those things until someone says, you know what? You're supposed to be right here in this position of honor. Or another good example is uh, when Jesus said, let the children come to me. Right? Let the children come to me. And I love this because if we let the children come to us, that means that um, even in our culture, like I I think Angie has said it best and I love it. It was a few years ago. She goes, I just have to realize that we live in a culture that hates kids or hates children. Everything that's attacking our kids, all the things that we're not helping them or supporting them with, we live in a way that we don't let the children come to us. Oftentimes in our culture in particular, we just let the children make their own decisions. Well, they're kids. We need, we need them to come to us and sit and learn. And, and, and if we pay attention, if we pay attention to the lowly and the weak, you know what then we're doing? We're being weak. We're letting the children come to us. And James will tell us, show no partiality. 
because that is what a weak person does or meek person does. They show no partiality. So you can have lunch with somebody who can not afford to do it, or you can have lunch at, with a multimillionaire and it doesn't matter. You treat them the same. You know why? That's meekness. That's meekness. James says, show no partiality. It doesn't matter if someone is rich or poor, beautiful or ugly, going to, to get us. It doesn't matter if they're going to take us somewhere or if being around them takes us in reverse. It doesn't matter. We serve them. You know why? Because that's what Jesus did. We are never above anyone as we follow Jesus. Even when we preach and teach and do our things, even when we release our music or we do these other things, we're never better than anybody. We're just trying to follow Jesus with what we have. We're never above those who know more than us, and we're never above those who know less than us. We simply serve in the capacity that Jesus has for us. A couple other examples. Turning the, extra che- or turning the other cheek. It's an idea of meekness. Walking the extra mile is a great example of meekness. In my estimation, and here's why I say this, in my estimation, it takes great courage and faith to live in a meek manner. Because no one does it. It's definitely going against the flow. It's easy, it's easy to get folks to follow you. It's easy to make much of yourself or your message. And we are taught how to do that from day one in our culture especially now, but it takes great courage and I would say faith to live in meekness. And it isn't an easy life either because because uh, people are going to say, why don't you do like we do? And you're going to be, because I'm following Jesus. You might not say it that way, but that's what you're doing the best to do that. But I would say the best example of meekness is Jesus going to the cross. And I say that that Jesus going to the cross. He wasn't taken to the cross. When Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went out to meet his accusers, let me say that again, he went out to meet his accusers. Yes, they came out to him, but he knew they were coming. And what did he do? He walked towards them. He didn't run away. It's meekness. Jesus prayed that God might take this cup from him, but God didn't. And then one of the most amazing miracles in scriptures, he stood up and he walked towards his accusers. Isn't that a miracle? Like, would you do that? You got a whole band of people coming after you, right? Here is Jesus. He was not forced. He was arrested. And after, uh, and after all, this is Jesus. He is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And not only that, what is he the commander of? Angel armies. Can I not in a moment command all these angels to come out? And yet Jesus walked to meet his accusers. He walked towards them. He didn't hide. And you know why he did this? For you and for me. Do you think he considered himself better than us at that moment? No. Do you think he's better than us? Yeah, I hope so. He is better than us. He came to cleanse us from all our sins, to make all the wrongs that we put in this world right by his, um, by, right in his eyes by his blood, And Jesus went to his accusers for us. He handed himself over for us, knowing that they would humiliate him. This is a perfect example of meekness. He didn't consider himself higher than you and me in that moment. He looked at us, consider us. You know what he did? He went, and he went willingly. He died 
and he was buried, and he rose, and he was king then, and he is king now. Yet, in perfect meekness, he considers us. It's unbelievable. Let's get back to Psalm 37 for a moment. Because as we see a couple of pictures of meekness in Jesus, these verses will help us. They will help us a lot. The psalm starts out, fret not. We can stop there and we can do an entire sermon on that. Fret not. When we do, uh, when we do not fear, we, it, it's because we know that Jesus has all things under control. And when we live without that fear and not worrying ourselves over what we must have or what we don't have, we are living in meekness. This word is used a lot. These, these words are used a lot in Psalm 37. Trust, wait, trust some more, wait some more, trust in him some more, over and over and over through this psalm. That's why I say that this, this idea of trusting and waiting is a part of what God has for us in meekness. We trust him. We wait to him. And in verse 5 it says this. And I would say this to you today. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will act. He never gives a timeline. He never gives a timeline. I wish that he would sometimes, right? But he does act. Just like he says he will. Maybe not how we wanted him to, but he will act. You know why? Because meekness meekness lets him meekness um, uh, meekness shows us that the beatitudes are doing away with our reliance on self so when we live in meekness we're saying we're not enough i like the way a commentator barney uh widget says and my good friend uh my good friend chris uh, bought me this book uh or i would have never found it he says this says, Jesus seeks to destabilize our arrogance. That's hard, right? That's a hard word. Everything that you are, how important you are, Jesus is seeking to destabilize. He's already called you poor. He's saying it's good if you mourn. Now he's saying it's good if you're meek. You're blessed. These are hard words in our culture, right? So, and as we learn to follow Jesus, you know what we're doing? We're learning to get rid of our ego. We're saying, we're saying it's okay if we don't make much of ourselves. We're, we're just doing our best to make much of Jesus. All that is in us that wants to make much of ourselves, that wants to think that we are better than others, that wants to sit ourselves at the finest seat or not sit with people because we think that they're beneath us or not worth our time, That's another way of doing that as well. Jesus is trying to get us to see that it is truly better to give than receive. That's what Jesus did. We serve because Jesus serves. Amen? And in this way, we learn to trust Jesus. Trusting in Jesus is not easy. Again, his timeline is not ours. His ways aren't ours. He, uh, our creative ways out of a problem are not as good as asking Jesus and waiting for him to rescue us. Because he will. He says that he will. Widget also says this, the ego of the meek is an ego at rest. It means you don't have to feed into it. It's not haughty or hungry for praise. Amen. May we be that. We rest on the hope and faith that Jesus will come through because he said he would and his words are true. 
in honesty, it doesn't look like the poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom of heaven, or it doesn't look like those who mourn will be comforted, uh, or that the meek will inherit the earth. But in faith, these things are true, perfectly true. They're more true than not true. And we get to trust that the Lord will allow him to act in these ways and, and make these things come to pass. We get to be about the, uh, the things that God has for us and knowing that his promises will come, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all this will be added unto you. Fear not. Don't take matters into your own hands. This is meekness. Wait for the Lord to work on your behalf because he says that he will. If we are meek, we will inherit the earth. In Psalm 37, it says, inherit the land. So the earth and land, I believe that they're interchangeable there. Those who are meek will, will know. Um, one reason why they're going to inherit it is because those who are meek will know most how to cherish it and steward it. Right? They're not going to impose their will upon the land. They're going to be serving and acting. They will wait for the Lord, follow his instructions, and then they will know how to use the land that the Lord has set aside for them. And they will take care of it. Better than those who are just using it. Better from those that are getting their temporary gain out of it. It would not be taking from the land, but benefiting the land as well as blessing those who take care of it. Not only blessing those who take care of it, but if you read, if you read Psalm 130, um, they also pay out. He is ever lending generously and his children become blessed. Because in meekness, you know what there's not? There's no corporate greed. Oh man, wouldn't that be nice, right? Wouldn't that be nice if these companies that say that they serve us, there was no corporate need. You know what? There, there's no self-gain, right? There's gratitude and there is shouts of praise. Thank you, Jesus, for this day that you've given us. I like to think of the land or earth will have a wall around it with a gate. As I think about land, this is what I think almost every day. Much like the one described in Revelation, the land will be a stronghold of the Lord. It'll be a stronghold for those who take refuge in Him, a place as, as we trust Him, He will give us rest. He will give us peace. A place where there is abundance because we trust our provider and that he knows more and that he will work his way in our lives. It's a hard thing to do, isn't it? It's a hard thing to do. A warning before we leave. If you live in meekness, you're going to be weird. You're going to be odd. You will get told to stand up for yourself. You will get told to speak up for yourself when somebody is slandering you and you're not going to do it. You will be told, in fact, you will be told a lot of self things. Pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Do this, do that, do this for you. Make sure that everyone knows what you're going through. All that sort of stuff. But I would say this. Take courage and wait on the Lord. He says he's going to provide for you. He says he cares more about you than the birds of the air and the flowers of the fields. Let's trust him. Wendell Berry is my favorite author by far. And he says this, and I think it's a good quote full of meek qualities. He says this, It may be that when we no longer know what to do, we have come to our real work. 
And when we no longer know which way to go, we have begun our real journey. The mind that is not baffled is not employed. The impeding stream is the one that sings. When we don't know what to do, we wait on Jesus, and that's our real work. It's our real journey. If we always know what to do, or we always know the work around, then we are not being meek. If we are always ceaselessly working to figure it out rather than ceaseless in prayer, then we are not about our right work. We are blessed. Or I like to think of it this way. That's why I love this quote. The impeded stream is the one that sings. When we are blessed, we will sing more loudly as we submit ourselves to the Lordship and the way of Jesus Christ. This is what we get when we are blessed. We get to submit ourselves to the ways of Jesus. And I pray this, let us live for him. Not just live for him as we would live, but in his ways. And I pray that we may be blessed. I pray that we may learn and live and lean into meekness. Because this is a beautiful way. This is a blessed way that Jesus has given us. I pray that we might lean on Jesus, um, not only for answers, but also in waiting for him. I pray that we might inherit the land and delight ourselves in abundant peace that can only come from trusting Jesus. So Jesus, we come before you and we pray that we may wait on the Lord in your ways and that you will exalt the meek to inherit the land. Lord, I pray that we may be weak, learn weakness, delight ourselves in your ways, Lord, that we will learn to trust you and wait for you. And Lord, please do this work in us because honestly, God, we can't do it on our own. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen.